Hey kids, you uh, you trying to get into Segment City? Well, you really shouldn't, because Segment City is a mature podcast, and listener discretion is advised. I'm just trying to look at. I know I'm in an alleyway. I know. I know how I look. But I got some fireworks for you kids. I got snakes and I got sparklers. That's all I got. Oh, don't give me that. Everyone asks me how I stay so happy in these turbulent times. Who's asking you? My mom. Okay. Is that good? And you know uh-huh. and you know what my answer is? Drugs. Oh, hard drugs. Hard drugs. <laughs> and you gotta you gotta get them from just like a good seedy alleyway. Mm-hmm. You ever go into a nice good ooh, seedy alleyway? <laughs> well, I've only ever been to seedy. Are you thinking uh-huh. of a seedy meadow or a, a seedy no. forest? No, uh, alleyway. A seedy garden? Um, no. You're thinking of actual seeds, and I could see where you'd get tripped up by that, but no, I mean seedy as in terrifying Okay. and full of people like me who are addicted to drugs. Now, <laughs> you might notice that I'm scratching myself. That's because I'm just so happy Just, Just ignore the, the scratching. You know, there's nothing just, to see yeah. there. <laughs> there's nothing. To see, but also, do you got any money? Like, you could maybe Venmo me some money. I do have five um, open Venmo requests for you from you uh, for various <laughs> yeah. amounts yeah. that I have chosen yeah, yeah, to yeah. ignore. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Until oh, I yeah. get a further explanation as to as to what they're about. But um, because you could only remind people there. once per payment, so I just like every annoying. time I had to come up with a new hey a how new thing how uh. IRL, how often do you hit that um, that remind button on folks? How often do you hit it, and how long do you wait? What's the etiquette around this remind button? All right, button? we're going to pause the bit for a second. <laughs> Get into real talk. Yeah. I have a friend, a mutual friend of ours. Yeah, I know who it is. That for some fucking reason, <laughs> he, he oh, luxuriates in having outstanding Venmo it's requests. It's so uncomfortable. And you got, I do the reminder, and yet... And then he doesn't pay me for like another month. And I'm like, so you're a piece of shit. So you like, know. You're sitting not, there and you this know. Isn't, he's the kind of person that tries to like laugh. And there's a certain type of person that can just kind of laugh when called an <laughs> asshole. When you're like, you're a fucking asshole. And they're like, I know. And people just like go with it. And you go, no, 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 no. Stop. Stop giving them so much leeway. This is inappropriate yeah, and wrong. This is, this is everybody's issue now. Every, you, we've been <laughs> encouraging him. To do this. So back in the bit. So can you just encourage me to do more drugs and be happier? I have to wait. I have to encourage you to do drugs. This goes against all of you. Don't my, have to listen. You don't have to encourage me that hard. I'm, I'm, I'm already in. A, I'm a I'm a child of dare. I can't tell you to do drugs. I dare is, it goes is against, the biggest failure. <laughs> it taught me about drugs. And now look at me. Hey, kids, you want to know what the benefits of drugs are? Come over here. I'll tell you. And then I'll tell you why you should. Maybe you should consider not do, maybe not doing them, but hey, they're also pretty cool. Hey, you guys want to know what something taboo is? And you're like, <laughs> what? Haven't what? you heard of of just we do the opposite of what everybody wants for kids? <laughs> I'm a kid. I do whatever you tell me, but reverso. And you know what's the reverso of me doing drugs? Segment City. Welcome to Segment City, where 
Wait, you just I'm told me about how, how, how happy drugs made you. <laughs> and now you're saying that the opposite <laughs> of that is Segment City? Uh, this is a podcast, so it's you know, just, really, just really stew in the world as it is. And we provide segments each week. Some are new, some are reoccurring. Some are named Stew. Summer's name's Stu, but that's not what my name is. My name's Will Kane, who's just just really just really loves that black tar heroin. And I'm Theo Sapakos. Drugs are bad, kids. I wonder if they'll use this as evidence in my trial, my Seinfeld-esque trial. The whole trial is just about how it? bad I they am. They caught me on drug charges, Theo. Can you believe it? <laughs> Well, I gotta tell you, Will, you were really out there and you were doing heroin in the street. Theo! Theo! I was doing drugs in bed. (laughs) This is a mix of George and Kramer. (laughs) Who is this character? Uh, But we're gonna do something called Will's Stupid Thought. And this is is not even a Will's original thought, but it is a very good question that they just kind of... I watched a show called We Are the Champions. I watched two episodes of it on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And it's about weird competitions in all around the world. Okay. First episode's about uh, a bunch of people in England who go down an extremely uh, steep hill trying chasing after cheese, a a wheel of cheese. That's TV now? That's what TV is now? I mean, that's just an event that happened every year like it's a ancient tradition that people just decided to finally film and it's a weird competition <laughs> wait so, so there's an ancient tradition that someone throws their cheese down a hill and everyone's like gotta yeah, run after ro- this cheese they roll they roll a thing of cheese like a big wheel of cheese down a hill and people you it's not like i'm going to catch the cheese the cheese is fucking barreling down you're never gonna catch hey, the cheese you gotta be the first down, one down though mate this is my hot take y'all Life yeah. before like the 1980s sucked ass. This it, is my still hot doing take. It. They actually they actually canceled this this year. They had to cancel <laughs> it. They, they rolled a little. They apparently they rolled a baby bell. <laughs> this is the baby bell. That's amazing. But this is not about this is not about the the first episode. The second episode was about competitive chili eating, mm-hmm. like chili peppers. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a guy named Smokin' Ed. Yeah. Uh, who fucking made the Carolina Reaper, which was the hottest <laughs> one. And then he, in the competition, that was the midpoint, was the Carolina Reaper. Oh and he said, y'all motherfuckers, I created new ones. Oh my and God. They're, and they're the spiciest fucking Mad thing. And lad. these people are just like, I- impossibly. And so it gets to the end. And I think it was him or somebody else had the quote that I had to like pause and think about. Because I'm like, that's actually a very good point. What's stupid thought for this week? Is is there anything worse than coming in second place in a chili eating contest? <laughs> you've gone the distance. You've experienced the pain. You're you've right. To the You're point. there with the best of them, and yet you fall short. You can't quite eat that nasty, nasty last pepper. I'm going to propose that that becomes a new saying. Is, is there, there anything, anything worse, worse than being second place in a cuz there's so many like things that are in a similar vein cuz it's like you've gone the distance yeah. but you didn't get the medal like it's when you get through the entire interview process for a job that you just worked hard at yeah. and then you then they're like we went with somebody else yeah. and you're just like I just spent so much of my fucking life on this one <laughs> interview thing and you just said no <laughs> yeah jeez well, that's a, that's a good point. Now when someone's having a bad day, they're like, "Oh man, I uh my car broke down in the middle of the in the middle of nowhere." And you're like, "Well, 
At least you didn't come in second in a cheerleading contest. It really puts it in perspective for you. It really it it really clarifies that no matter how bad you've got it, at least you didn't eat all those spicy peppers and blast the flavor (laughs) sensing sensing uh, uh, taste buds from your mouth for no for no reason for literally no reason. And some of these they have to eat the whole thing, the whole pepper. And some of these motherfuckers are huge. I think that's the worst part is Jesus. having to like chomp through like the tiny ones. I could I could do those like the pain's going to be after, but you're going to be eating way. Are there just shit. some people that are like have a genetic difference and yes. don't like they have to. They have to. But also like w- if you have a genetic difference where you don't taste the spice, what enjoyment do you get out of it? Like that's like you and I entering like a bell pepper eating contest. Like that does nothing for I, me. I'm just sitting around eating a lot of bell peppers. I don't think it's like people who can't feel pain because there are people like that. I think it's just they have a much higher tolerance slash they've built a tolerance mm-hmm. and they're like because one guy was like a thrill seeker and he jumped out of a plane and then had like 10 Carolina Reapers in his mouth and he ate those during the like. Wait. And I'm like, what? Why are you doubling up? Wait. Is it is it is it additive? Is it additive thrills? Like, do you get more yeah, thrill? Like, probably. I feel like if you're sitting there eating your peppers while you fall, you're you're not paying attention to the fall, and it's not giving you anything. Like, you he can, had it in his mouth, and he's like, like nom, if nom, you nom, are nom. falling and also experiencing spicy pain, like you can really only pay attention to one thing or the other. You're either freaking out because you're falling, or you're freaking out because your mouth is on fire. You can't you can't pay attention to both. I think you can. I think I don't think it blocks it out. I don't think you go into a white room once you bite into the pepper and you're just No, but like, I'm saying I'm like if you zone. were if you were skydiving and all of a sudden yeah. your mouth was on fire, like would you have the mental capacity to like focus like to to be able mm. to pay attention to both? I feel like I would switch back and forth to be like, "Oh my god, my mouth is on fire. Oh my god, I'm falling." Like I would switch back and forth, but I wouldn't it wouldn't be additive. Like no. I I think there's also another question in terms of additive of is there a pain threshold when you're in the chili eating contest that you just can't have more pain in your mouth? Right. Like you're you've reached the the cap and like it doesn't yeah. matter if you eat an even hotter spiciness because you've reached the cap. It's just there has to be a pain threshold for but, people. Yeah, there has to be like your your brain is is only capable of experiencing so much spiciness. Yeah. Which is it, it, the people who the the person who won uh, was the people who came like to the finish were two like dark horses. Like nobody mm. expected them. They're like people who are famous in the chili world. And those people famous got out like pretty. Chili world. I'm yeah. kind of a big deal in the chili it's, world. <laughs> so this is like a huge. They got people from like Australia and like all around. And the, the fucking the winner got like a thousand dollars. That's it. <laughs> it was like a really low amount. It was so like you're basically way less swapping you your ability to taste for one thousand dollars. Hey, that seems like a pretty raw deal for you, my guy. I think I think it's just bragging rights because these people are fucking insane. My God, I enjoy you know, I enjoy a good spicy food. I'm I'm a hot sauce fan. I like what's what's like the hot. hottest thing that you've eaten? Because honestly, I, I, I have asked this after. I have some pretty spicy. I have some pretty spicy hot sauces that are like uncomfortably hot to just eat. We did. We did test out one of your because you got like a, a subscription box. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of hot hot foods and hot sauces, but like I'm not I'm not in it for the pain. I'm in it for like the spicy flavor that I like. I'm not, but I'm not like out here eating peppers. Mm. That doesn't do anything for me. I I enjoy. I don't know what the spiciest thing. Maybe it was one of the the sauces that you 
provided me mm-hmm. when we had we had tacos one time and i remember we did have there's some that are like that are just one. like genuinely like oh my god this is really spicy and i can't taste anything else yeah thinking about know. spicy food is making my mouth water though mm. nom, nom, it nom, is nom, good nom, nom, nom. but you know what's making my mouth water you don't want to say the that idea? about my neck. You don't want to say that oh, about my neck. Oh fuck! Next. Oh shit! <laughs> it's you gonna be into a trap here. <laughs> Welcome to my poop <laughs> segment. <laughs> you walked into a trap here, William. Oh no! Okay, go for it. For my next segment, I wanted to go back to a segment that I introduced last week, which was eBay fines. We're back to eBay fines. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. This week we have a novelty product for that can be enjoyed by the whole family. It's called. Hmm. Cat itcher brush. Lick them like their mother. Cat red giftable love gift new. <laughs> okay, wait, okay. Uh, there's a lot of, I mean, that's part of the course for eBay that yeah, there's yeah, a lot yeah, of right. adjectives. A, just a lot like, of, yeah, they got to optimize that SEO. So you just got to yeah. shove words in there. Like them. Okay. Love them like, seen... what do you think it is? Cat itcher brush. Lick them like their mother. Cat red giftable love gift new. The entire last half of it is nothing. Love gift new is nothing. It's SEO bullshit. Giftable, giftable um, love gift new. I I'm going to. I saw a product. I remember that you gave me a flashback. I blocked this out of my memory, and I didn't even know it. Of course, yeah. Of, if I yeah, it's it's like a thing that you put on your tongue, and it's like a, a rubbery kind of cat thing, big tongue that you use to. Groom your cat. Yes. Is that oh Jesus yes, H. This is that. <laughs> I'm gonna read you this is Is so, this what our podcast has evolved into? <laughs> yes it is. This is from uh Fairly Odd Treasures, who has eighty six thousand cells uh, sold. I, I like and they that have name. they have ninety nine point two percent positive feedback. So good good, good job, Fairly okay. Odd Treasures. Um let's see, this is the full read full description. Here we go. So Features, uh, the perfect accessory. If you oh, love Jesus your cat Christ. and want to show it in a new and hilarious way, this is the oh. item for you. Hey, if you're doing this to your cat, it isn't hilarious anymore. You need to be stopped. You're a menace. You're a yeah. menace to society and you need to be stopped. <laughs> you, you have to be stopped. You have to be stopped. You have gone <laughs> too far. There, we need to make a superhero vigilante that busted your <laughs> fucking door and just says stop. <laughs> You I'm, need to, Carol, I'm, stop I'm, it. I'm fairly happy we live in a world with no vigil, vigilante justice because I think it would go too far very quickly. But if this product was being used by someone I know, I would don the cape and the mask. I would she, do it. <laughs> the door busts open and she just turns like with huh? the tongue on, <laughs> just looking. Oh. Mid lick. Designed for kitty comfort, this tongue-shaped mouthpiece has small pegs on the tongue to brush your cat gently and kindly, form and function. This mouthpiece is made of food-grade plastic and is safe for both you and your cat to be in contact with. Stop. Great. Great. Glad you thought of this because I would rather the person who is using this just get poisoned from the plastic and die. Thanks. All right. Be the perfect (sighs) pet parent. If you have a cat or know a pet lover, then this brush is a must? Uh, I don't think so. An impossibly I'm, great gift. Sure to make guests purr with delight for your next birthday, white elephant office, Jesus or a secret sandwich. Imagine if you went to your office office white elephant party and this was the item you unwrapped. What would you say? What would you do? I would you know what? I would purr in delight. 
I would no. purr at the fucking person. No. I go, just fucking purr at. What did they expect? You earned this. You have earned this. The best part I, is <sighs> about this post really is the 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 photos of of a. Oh. He's a young man and he's holding a cat <laughs> and he's licking okay. that cat. And you okay. know that he just he just is out here to like, you know, try to get into modeling. This wasn't yeah, what he had in mind. <laughs> this isn't what he had in mind when he went out for modeling gigs. Yeah, I'm Mom. I'm a bit of I do a bit of modeling on the side. Oh, what kind? Like clothes or uh, you know, maybe watches. Um Vietnam flashback to <laughs> the photo shoot. Uh, <laughs> it zooms in on his eyeball. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking so fuck um, this dude how much would you dude. say that this this novelty item should cost they should pay me money for it <laughs> i don't want i, I don't, don't want this realistic i'm gonna say 29.95 it's only 11 dollars. 1101 okay <laughs> it's a cheap piece of, i now i'm disappointed in myself that i said it was <laughs> that, you would, that you would be willing to shell out 30 dollars for this i imagine that this was like a, a tv you know those like Three payments of nineteen ninety five. Um fucking ugh. Is there anything else from the are there is there like no, reviews it, per thing? Oh we can or is it just for the reviews here? Let's see. I don't wanna keep us up on this. I just but it's okay, I'm gonna reveal something that might be incriminating. it's not incriminating, but it makes I feel like <laughs> every person who has a pet every person who has a pet at some point goes does my pet understand me? And I've done this with my with my cat, where I'm like, "What does my cat do? How, what is my cat's language?" And like, they they push their forehead against people because it's like I think that it, it's part of like marking territory or something like that. Um, so me as a cat owner, sometimes I'll go up and try to match that language by <laughs> pushing my forehead against my cat's and it's yep. just me rubbing my face against my cat. So it's still cute. It's not like, but it's me trying to, and my cats don't give a fuck. That's the thing. No, is cats don't. are smart enough to go, you're faking it, dude. What are you doing? Yeah. This, they're like, I'm, do, I'm so getting nothing licking out of this. Them, I'm getting nothing out of this. But why they you... know it's not a real tongue. They just know you're being a fucking weirdo. <laughs> like, cats will be like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> like, you understand you could. Cats know the full implications of spending money on this item and knowing that you could have spent your money on something yeah. else full well. Cats are... Cats are very smart. They just don't give a fuck. Yes. That's the that's the whole thing about cats. They they know that petting is good. They're good with petting. You don't need to do the extra shit. They don't even yeah, appreciate they, if really, you do the extra. The, they're the pretty tongue okay thing just doesn't. As they are. Just give them a scr- I have a brush for my cats. It's just a regular fucking brush. Just get a regular <laughs> get a regular brush. Or even better, take that brush, take some duct tape, duct tape it to your tongue. Boom, instant solution. Solved. You don't need to buy this. I just yeah, we don't need to look at reviews this year. <laughs> I'm just, I just, we can move on from this disgusting item. Move, I just thought I could, on. I could enlighten your day. <sighs> well, let me enlighten your day, Theo. This mm-hmm. normally, I haven't had a good theme for for my segments for Segment City. Sometimes, for people who don't know, I'll just like happen upon a theme. Just when I come up with my segments, I'm like, oh, this fits into a theme. This is a very distinct theme of true crime. True crime. True crime week. Real fake crimes Uh, here. This one's going to be a shorter true crime thing because I got a longer true crime uh, coming up. But 
I listened to two podcasts about two different cases that are kind of weirdly inverses of each other. And they're very famous cases. And I wonder if you know anything about them. Okay. One's a bummer. One's less of a bummer. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with the bummer one because that's just this is a comedy show and I would rather end on the one that's less of a bummer. Do you know about the West Memphis Three? No. Uh, they, it is in reference to a case in which this is the bummer part. Uh, three boys, eight-year-old boys, got murdered in a forest in West Memphis, uh, Arkansas. Yikes. And so three teenagers uh, got sentenced for it. Very unjustly so. Okay. So what happened was basically three boys die. They they are found. Um, very tragic. And there's this one like 18-year-old named Damien Eccles, who's from a poor family. He's like this goth kind of kid. Um, and everybody in this town fucking hates Damien, which partially is it because he has like a goth kid, like small town goth kid, like gotta be rough and tumble, so he just is like, hey, whatever, dude. Right. Um and they get pinned for this because the cops just don't know what the fuck is going on. And they're just like, we got to just somebody's got to pay for this. And I, we think it's Damien Eccles. And this is wrapped up in. Do you know what the satanic panic is? Yes, it happened in like the 80s, right? Yeah. And it was right. like wrapping up kind of in the 90s. This is in 92. OK. Um, So it got wrapped up in the satanic panic because he wore black and stuff. Literally, one of the pieces of evidence at his trial was like he wears black. And he has some spooky books Yikes. in his home. Um, and so it, it's just a very famous case because it is a terrible. They literally didn't have any physical evidence uh, for these three boys, which the three boys were Damien Eccles, his friend, uh, Jason Baldwin, who literally their only case on Jason was that he's friends with Damien and That's also it? a little bit into goth shit. Oh, my God. And I think Jason Baldwin got life in prison. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, spoiler alert. Um, and then a boy named Jesse Miss Kelly who barely knew them. But it was two trials, one which was Damien Eccles and Jason Baldwin, and the other that was Jesse Miss Kelly. And Jesse Miss Kelly has uh, apparently the, like, mental uh, ability of, like, a third grader. Okay. Which is really fucked up when you try... Because he was like 17 or something when they convicted him. Like these were teenagers. These were kids. Right. Um, And they uh, literally his lawyer came in. And he's like, do you understand your rights? I'm your lawyer. And he's like, are you another police officer? He's like, no. Do no. you not know what a lawyer is? And he's like, no. So that's like, oh, the, yeah, that's the and, level we're dealing with. Okay. And they, they, he got a pamphlet. Uh, and he was like, who's Satan? And he's like, do you mean Satan? Satan? And this was a trial about them being Satanists. <laughs> so so this lawyer's like, what the fuck? Um, and so these kids basically got uh, hardcore uh, push. Like the, the judge also just fucking hated Damien Eccles um, and would not allow testimony and things that he did not see was fit, including... Uh, the idea he, he literally said psychology has no place in the courtroom when they tried to bring in a psychologist to be like, hey, so this one kid, one, is mentally handicapped Two, 
there's so many false confession things like oh you God. guys are like there, there's so much psychology stuff that you if we bring up would fucking destroy your case and he just went no uh and i mean damien eccles also didn't help his own case by being kind of a shithead mm-hmm. in court because he was like a confident he's like they don't got anything on us right because they didn't but right. also he was like sneering he would like smile and blow kisses to the family of the dead children it's like my dude yeah, that's my fucked. dude that's fucked. yeah that's, that's really it's fucked. like okay damien you're a fucking idiot but he's also yeah. 18 so it's like okay whatever and so uh they da- jason got i think life i think jesse got four years and damien got on death row jesus the only reason that these guys are out, one is because of a series of documentaries about it that were like, hey, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people in like the 90s, like musicians and stuff, uh, fought for their cause. They only got out in 2011. Jeez. Okay. So they're in years for like basically, they're in for like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only reason that they got out was because of new evidence and because the fucking judge moved on to the state senate. Like oh he was God. no longer the judge because he was just like, I'm going to, anytime there's any appeals, just I'm going to say no. no. Jesus. Um, so the court basically was like, so we're going to get like absolutely destroyed if we try to do another trial for this. Um, so we're going to do what's called an Alfred plea, which I think that's what it's called. But it's basically the, the most bonkers idea I've ever heard for a thing. Literally, it's the defendant says, uh, I am proclaiming my innocence, but the state had enough evidence to prosec- like to get a conviction on me. And so they just got let out. Wait, how does that work? What? Yes. Exactly. He, they they still say it's like I'm saying I'm innocent, but you had enough evidence on me. Um and so we're we're just going to call it even. Basically, and they got out. What? And they couldn't like sue for wrongful imprisonment because because that was the deal. Because that was the deal, basically. Oh my god! And Damien Eccles uh, went blind because he was in solitary confinement and didn't have like far vision. He was like in a tiny room, dark room. So he basically went blind. Um, the other two like were okay in prison, but it was like they just got absolutely. They just destroy these, and the worst part is, uh, the that nobody knows who killed the the kids, right? The case it's case close in Arkansas, so that was a terrible case. Do you, second case, I just want to bring up quickly. Do you know about the Menendez brothers? I do know about the Menendez brothers, right? They are for people who don't know. It's these two like preppy rich boy kids in Hollywood that killed their parents, um. And there was a big public trial about it. And what I found interesting about this case, one, these kids are totally innocent or not innocent. They're totally guilty, Mm -hmm. like complete opposites of. And what's interesting to me is that the case that the defense had was not we didn't kill our parents. It was our parents were so terrible that we were justified in killing them. Like it was basically like a self-defense argument. Yeah. And I thought it was a very interesting. It's like that's such a weird defense to me mm-hmm. and also just like the personality because these kids are just sociopaths like they they killed their parents yeah. got the money from their life insurance and stuff immediately started buying cars and partying 
Um, and everyone's like, dudes, <laughs> my dudes, yeah, like, you're under hey. arrest. Yeah. Um, and then they went to prison and I think they have life in prison probably. Um, but they're just that, that, that case I think is interesting in that the personalities are a lot more interesting in the individual, individual things. And just like the wacky defense. That's but, a, that's a weird one. Like. It only it's holds so up. It also only holds up if, like, the kids are remorseful and basically show, like have a good case to be like, yeah, we were like, you can like, you have to be able to empathize with with the defendants yeah. in that case. And if they're sitting there like stone cold and like we're like partying clearly after their parents yeah. have died, like that's not the response of people who are like have finally, you know, th- that's not a rational response to anything. It, it begs the question of what is the minimum amount that somebody can do to you before you are justified in killing them in self-defense. Right. right. And that's a very strange question. Right. And I don't think there's a right answer. And so that's that's the end of my... This was this segment was called Will Wants to Talk About True Crime. Shut yeah, up. True, <laughs> true crime. True crime. Okay. Your segment now. Hey, Will, I have a question to ask for you. Yes. Actually, it's more of a demand. Tell me everything you know about. Tell me everything you know about Drake Bell. Ooh, okay. I actually, I don't know. I know a bit more. Okay, so he was on Drake and Josh, right? That's what he's most famous for, right? Kind of dropped off the map after Drake. Was he? uh, I think they got famous from the Amanda Show. They spun it off into Drake and Mm -hmm. Josh. Correct. Um, then he he was a musician. Right. And I remember hearing that he was very big in South America, mm-hmm. which is weird. I remember specifically going, that's weird. That's weird. That Drake Bell is very big in South America. Right. And then he like hurt his hand. And then I heard there's some beef with Josh from Drake and Josh because he was getting married and he wasn't, Drake wasn't invited to the right. wedding. Wow. You actually know quite, a, you know quite a bit about Drake Bell. I'm impressed. I, this is just osmosis from the <laughs> internet. <laughs> Um, T- tell me more about Drake. I is did I cover the wild parts? So did I- you you got a lot of his backstory, but would it surprise you to know that he has changed his name to J- Drake? Uh, to sorry, to Drake Campana and moved to Mexico. What? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Um, Campana the literally translates to Bell. So rest <laughs> assured that he's done his homework. Did he, he really, he did the equivalent of white girl getting like Chinese characters that's like immune Yeah, but he went, he went all but in on it. But for his last name. He went all in on it and decided to just, just, you know, forget America. It's Mexico time, baby. What the fuck? So, okay, so he- <laughs> I have a, I have a write up of what's happened here. From, yes, from bustle.com. So it says Drake Bell is apparently a pop star in Mexico and absolutely no one knew. <laughs> Which I love. What a fucking Bustle. great. <laughs> um, so here we go. In what is likely the most bizarre news you've heard all week, we're here to report that Drake and Josh star Drake Bell has apparently named his name, moved to Mexico, and is now releasing Spanish language music. Oh yeah, minor detail. He now only releases music in Spanish. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. Why are you doing it in English when your entire demographic is... Do- it, that's so wild. Fans of the nostalgic Nickelodeon series flooded Twitter after a visit to Bell's social accounts revealed the total rebrand. He's now Drake Campana. And if you're wondering, Campana does translate to Bell. While his social media handles remain at Drake Bell at the moment, his display names both 
Twitter and Instagram do not. And on all of his uh, recent photos on IG, well, almost exclusively promote his new music, most of which is in Spanish. Of course, fans on Twitter are shocked that Bell has seemingly decided to pack it up, move to another country, and give his career on music another shot. However, he's actually been posting about Mexico on Instagram for roughly a year now. In addition to sharing memes about leaving the United States behind for the southern (laughs) neighbor, Bell shared what appeared to be his Mexican ID on the photo on the photo sharing app last November. The document shows his photo, his correct birthday and his month and year of registration, which seems to be May, 2019. It's just, are you supposed to do that? I feel like you're not supposed I feel to put like your official also, documents. Yeah. It's not a good idea. Also, I don't know if you've looked at a picture of Drake Bell recently. Sorry, Drake Campana recently. <laughs> he just, <laughs> okay. he looks like, he looks like he's from the Midwest and he's in his early thirties. Oh, he just, no, he just, Oh, he looks, I don't know how to describe it other than like he looks it, he all of the photos of him on Google he looks a little confused and and not that happy. Yeah. He doesn't look okay. very happy. What he looks like is if you took Drake like a picture of Drake Bell. Right. And then you did like one of those photo old age things. He kind of looks like um Rick Astley. He looks a lot like Rick Astley. It's so it's super true. He looks like a young Rick Astley with his his hairdo especially. It's it, also just like clicking around these pictures because they're all associated with articles and it's like things about Drake Bell and I'm like, like news stories. I'm like, <laughs> he's in the news. Why is he's, he in the news? He's back in the news. While it's unclear why Bell decided, decided to start a new somewhere else, people on Twitter s- certainly had some ideas. Quote, I can't stop laughing over the fact that Drake Bell changed his name to Drake Campana, moved to Mexico, and now produces Spanish music, all because he is more popular in Mexico than he was in the U.S., unquote. One person tweeted. Several others echoed that sentiment, suggesting that Bell has a larger fan base in Latin America than he does in the States. Bell even memed his interest in Mexico on Instagram in 2019. It's that, like, jealous girlfriend meme. Oh, and it's like him <laughs> looking at Mexico and the U.S. being like, ugh, what? What a, what a weird, I just, imagine that Segment City turned out to be like really popular in like Slovenia. And we were yeah. like, all right, we're packing, we're going on the road. Okay. <laughs> we're we're, we're out of here. That just reminded, there. I remember seeing a, like today I learned uh, on Reddit and there's a band that is one of the top bands in Canada that has never gone anywhere else. And cause yeah. like there's bands like bare naked ladies are huge in Canada, right. but also like I've seen them in the U S they're big in the U S too. There's a band called the tragically hip mm-hmm. and it's only in Canada. And that's the one, <laughs> like they are a bestseller in fucking in Canada. Canada. And that's what Drake bell is for Mexico. For Mexico. I love it. it. I, what a, what a, what a move. He's just fully committed to it. I appreciate it. I I'm, I'm on board. If he he found his audience, he found his audience. I I do want to know how successful he is, though. That is a I want to check the, check the charts for him. Uh, just like see what's up with him. I yeah. there was one quote that I read somewhere where he, oh here we go wait oh no that's not it there was some quote where like he was he was basically saying like I grew up in Southern California and I was really inspired by the Latin roots and so I wanted to make something for the Latin fans and I was like I. I get it, but you also have to understand, like, this this is just a weird thing to do, even if you grew up in Southern California, my man. It's a weird... Yeah. 
It's a pretty, like, I think he just looked at his charts and he was just, like, selling really well in those areas. And he just went, fuck it. I'm, I'm not selling a lot in the U.S. I might as well go full Spanish. I, yeah. I got to respect it. That's wild. Well, let's from... see. Let's see what he's doing with the with the charts here. I got a uh, an article here. Okay. In terms of charts performance, uh, one of his songs called "It's Only Time" or maybe it's an album fared well in the U.S. Besides highest peak number four, by the way of the top 100 Mexico chart. Oh, I see. So he was doing well in like the Mexican subsection of American oh, okay. charts. So I guess he was just like, I, this is the same thing where like Lil Nas X was like, I'm going to make a rap song and label it as a, as a country song. And that way I'll get more, I'll get higher ratings on the charts because I'll be competing with country songs, but I'll actually be a sneaky rap song. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, only, only, only fully like, it's like if Lil Nas X was like, okay, so I did a country song and now I'm moving to Louisiana and you're never going to hear from me again. <laughs> I mean, he does wear like Stetsons and weird stuff now. That's like, true. He, he I love full, the, like future cowboy. I love it. I think it's fantastic. It's such a great aesthetic. It's wonderful. I just wanted to. I usually catch don't up with Drake Bell. I don't usually pay attention to to celebrity gossip, but my sister brought this to my attention, and I thought it was fantastic. The Drake Bell is doing well. I, I, you because know what? I, I think he, of Drake Bell as this lovable teenager who gets into hijinks and messes with his brother josh and whenever i gotta tell you whenever i see josh peck i see a picture of him now i get so depressed because he just looks like he just looks like a person as an adult that i wouldn't want to interact with i'd see him and just go he looks happy and healthy (laughs) i I look at him and i'm like i'm good thanks i am okay thanks there uh yeah even if he's happy and healthy he he has a beard now he was a lovable youngster and now he's he, he, I think it's he looks more ve- of he looks he was very, a fat kid. Very, he looks very Hollywood now. Like he looks yeah. extremely Hollywood and like his like smile is genuine together. though. I I should send you because I looked up Drake Bell age and the picture for Drake Bell is this weird half smile like somebody caught him right after right. like taking a photo with the second photo. He just kind of like uh. and then but the one for Josh Peck is like full smile, great like love and life. And I think that's the difference between them. Yeah, but How Josh old- Bell is just like you look at pictures of when he was a teenager and he was he was so chunky and lovable, and now he's yeah, just Josh he's Peck just is- a now he's just a guy. Now he's just a, some person. How old do you think they are? Uh, I would say mid thirties. You're actually yeah, thirty four. Yeah, that lines up. Like I was watching when I was 34. like a preteen, and they were probably like, yeah, that they make them ten years older than us. That makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's very interesting. Now, from jet setting around uh, to different parts of the world to one of the most famous jet hijackings in the world. Oh, Welcome to Wikipedia Historian, True Crime Edition. Theo, do you know anything about a man named D.B. Cooper? I know the name. I'm sure as soon as you say something about him, I'm going to be like, oh, that guy. Yeah. He, well, I already gave away that this is a, a, a skyjacking. Skyjacking. It, it is air piracy. It You've is, been skyjacked. It is one of the most famous true crime unsolved mysteries of all time. Uh, so let's just get right into this. On Thanksgiving Eve, November 24th, 1971, 
a middle-aged man carrying a black attache case, uh, uh, approached the flight counter of Northwest Orient Air- Airlines in Portland International Airport. He identified himself as Dan Cooper and used cash to purchase a $20 one-way ticket on flight 305, a 30-minute trip. $20? Yeah. <laughs> it was a 30-minute trip north to Seattle. Still, 20 bucks. That's great. Yeah. This was fucking 71. Like... <laughs> Cooper boarded the aircraft, a Boeing 727. Uh, Cooper was a quiet man who appeared to be in his mid-40s, wearing a business suit with a black tie and white shirt. He ordered a drink, bourbon and soda. Ooh, that's some cool classy. While the flight was waiting to take off. Freight 305, approximately one-third full, departed Portland on schedule at 2.50 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Shortly after takeoff, Cooper handed a note to Florence Schaffner, the flight attendant situated nearest to him in a jump seat attached to the aft stair door. Schaffner, assuming the note contained a lonely businessman's phone number, dropped it unopened into her purse. Cooper leaned toward her and whispered, Miss, you better look at that note. I have a bomb. Which, can you imagine the <laughs> being the... the guy with the bomb and you're just like uh, and then you hand like you shakily right, hand the note super and then nervous she just and doesn't like, even uh, fucking she, like, look rolls at it. her eyes she throws it in the trash and you're like ma'am ma'am please, please. I, this is not <laughs> part not of my plan scene. yes i had a bourbon and coke to, to really calm <laughs> my nerves uh okay so she the note was printed in neat all capital letters with a felt tip pen its exact wording is unknown because Cooper later reclaimed it, but Schaffner recalled that the note said that Cooper had a bomb in the, his briefcase. After Schaffner read the note, Cooper told her to sit beside him. Schaffner did as requested, then quietly asked to see the bomb. Cooper opened his briefcase long enough to have her glimpse eight red cylinders, with attached to wires coated with red insulation in a large cylindrical battery. Imagine seeing this fucking cartoon bomb too. <laughs> Oh just God. seeing red like, sticks of dynamite. <laughs> yeah, looks like looks like all you gotta do is light the match and we're off. Yeah, it's just you could just blow it. Like she didn't, she doesn't know what a fucking bomb looks like. She, that looks good <laughs> enough to her. She was hoping that he'd open the suitcase and it'd just be full of loose M and M's, and she'd be like, "Ha ha!" <laughs> he opens it up and it's one of those cannonball ones with the wick coming out, and he's like, "I got a bomb, ma'am." <laughs> Uh, after closing the briefcase, he stated his demands. $200,000 in, quote, negotiable American currency. Four parachutes, two primary and two reserve, and a fuel truck standing by in Seattle to refuel the aircraft upon arrival. Schaffner conveyed Cooper's instructions to the pilots in the cockpit. When she returned, Cooper was wearing dark sunglasses, which leads to the famous uh, sketch that everybody has seen that kind of looks like a friend of ours. <laughs> name jacob um i gotta look this up you, oh yeah look up it's a very famous like composite sketch and they say it's pretty accurate because the the stewardess has spent a lot of time with them the pilot contacted seattle tacoma airport air traffic control which informed local and federal authorities the 35 other passengers were given false information that their arrival in seattle would be delayed because of quote minor mechanical difficulty Northwest Orient's president, Donald Northrup, authorized payment of the ransom and ordered all employees to cooperate fully with the hijackers' demands. 
The aircraft circled Puget Sound for approximately two hours to allow Seattle police and FBI sufficient time to assemble Cooper's parachutes and ransom money and to mobilize emergency personnel. Flight attendant Tina Mucklow recalled that Cooper appeared familiar with the local terrain. At one point, he remarks, looks like Tacoma down there, as the aircraft flew above it. He he also correctly mentioned that McCord Air Force Base was a only a 20-minute drive at that time from Seattle Tacoma Airport. Schaffner described him as calm, polite, and well-spoken. Not at all consistent with stereotypes. <laughs> uh, popular with air piracy at the time. Quote, po- he Excuse me. We need to stop. Popular yeah. with air piracy? Yeah, popular associated with air piracy so at wait, the time. But they're, they're, I, think, I think it's their stereotypes were that hillbillies were just getting on planes. <laughs> And give, give I me all your this. money. Give give me your. This is, I've got I've got three hundred guns in this suitcase, in sir. The, I don't think that's possible. In the Wikipedia, you listen to me. <laughs> in the Wikipedia article, they do say after stereotypes, they put quote enraged, hardened criminals, or quote <laughs> take me to Cuba, political dissidents. Oh my god! <laughs> so I think I. That's why I skipped over it. I think that was a great detail. <laughs> take me to cuba take me to cuba uh he wasn't nervous muckle told investigators he seemed rather nice he was never cruel or nasty he was thoughtful and calm all the time he ordered a second bourbon and soda <laughs> so he's just fucking getting knows what he likes paid his drink tab and attempted to give muckle the change and offered to request meals for the flight crew during the stop in seattle fbi agents assembled the ransom money from several seattle area banks uh, 10,000 unmarked $20 bills, mostly with serial numbers beginning with the letter L, indicating issuance by the Federal Bank Reserve Bank of San Francisco, and mostly in a certain series, and made a microfilm photo of each. So they, they add like, copies of, right. they know what money is being given to him. So if it goes into circulation, they can find him. Cooper rejected the military issue parachutes offered by uh, McCord Air Force personnel, instead demanding civilian parachutes with manly, manually operated ripcords. At 5.24 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, Cooper was informed that his demands had been met, and at 5.39, the aircraft landed at t- Seattle-Tacoma Airport. A plainclothes flight operator delivered the cash in a knapsack and parachutes uh, to Mucklow via the aft stairs. Once the delivery was complete, Cooper ordered all passengers, Schaffner, and senior flight attendant Alice Hancock to leave the plane. During refueling, Cooper outlined his plan to the cockpit crew, a southeast course toward Mexico City at the minimum airspeed possible without stalling the aircraft, approximately 100 knots at approximately 10,000 feet uh, altitude. He further specified that the landing gear must remain deployed in the takeoff landing position, the wing flaps would be lowered to 15 degrees, and the cabin remained unpressurized. Co-pilot William Ratnick, uh, Rat Ratsky, oh god, I'm not even gonna. William J- R. Um, <laughs> informed Cooper that the aircraft's range was limited to approximately a thousand miles under the specific flight configuration, which meant that a second refueling would be necessary before entering Mexico. Cooper and the crew discussed options and agreed on Reno, Nevada, as the refueling stop. Oh my style. god. So it's like, okay, what okay, do we got? Well, uh, we can't <laughs> Let's stop figure this there, out, boys. Uh... <laughs> they got like a whiteboard. They're like, okay, well, if we go here, yeah. then I don't think we can make it. Uh, with 
which kind of comes into some of the evidence later. Uh, with the plane's rear exit door open and its staircase extended, Cooper directed the pilot to take off. Northwest Home Office objected on grounds that it was unsafe to take off with the aft staircase deployed. Cooper countered that it was indeed safe, uh, but he would not argue the point. He would lower it once they were airborne. At approximately 7.40 p.m., the Boeing 727 took off with only five people on board, including Cooper. They were followed by five planes, including like government planes that mm. were keeping an eye on them and stuff. After takeoff, Cooper told Mucklode to join the rest of the crew in the cockpit and remained there with the door closed. As she complied, Mucklow observed Cooper tying something around his waist. At approximately 8 p.m., a warning light flashed in the cockpit, in in indicating that the aft air stair apparatus had been activated. The crew's offer of assistance via the aircraft's <laughs> intercom system was curtly refused. You okay back there? Need any help jumping I'm, out? I'm good. I'm good, the dogs. Crew, that... Just the wind is like, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Uh, the crew soon noticed a subjective change in air pressure, indicating the aft door was open. At approximately 8.13, the aircraft's uh, tail section sustained a sudden upward movement, large enough to require trimming to bring the plane back to level flight. At approximately 10.15, the aircraft's aft stairways was still deployed once Scott and Rajnik uh, landed the 727 at Reno. FBI, state troopers, and sheriff deputies uh, and Reno police surrounded the jet as has not yet been determined was certainly that Cooper was not lo no longer on board, but an armed search quickly confirmed his absence. He was never, he has never been positively identified and has never been heard to, from to this day. So that's the end of wow. what happened. So now we get into the investigation. FBI right. even found 66 unidentified pr fingerprints. They also found his uh, black clip on tie his tie clip in two of the four parachutes, one of which had been open and from whose canopy two shroud suspension lines had been cut. Authorities interviewed eyewitnesses in Seattle and Reno and all those who personally interacted with Cooper. A series of composite sketches was developed, which are famous now, which you mm -hmm. may have already looked up. Uh, the local police and FBI agents immediately began questioning possible suspects and among them considered more than 800 of oh these God. all... All but two really... dozen were eliminated. Start with a wide, just cast a wide net there. Quote, it became one of the, quote, one of the longest and most exhaustive investigations in FBI history, known as Norjack, Northwest Hijacking. On Sunday, February 10th, 1980, uh, a boy named Brian Ingram was vacationing with his family on the Columbia River at beachfront known as Tina Bar about nine miles downstream from Vancouver, Washington. Um, he uncovered three packets of ransom cash and uh, as he raked the Sandy River Bank to build a campfire. Uh, these were from the hijacking. These are the only uh, recovered money from the hijacking. So he buried some of the money? What? Uh, th it just came down this river. Like they don't, they oh, don't know where it came from. Uh, huh. They just found it on the bank of a river, basically. Um, so there's still like nine thousand remaining bills that have never turned up. Huh. Uh, the FBI also disclosed that Cooper had chosen the older of the two primary parachutes supplied to him rather than the technically superior professional sport parachute, and that the two reserve parachutes uh, he selected a dummy one, an unusable unit that is with an inoperative report intended for classroom demonstrations. Although it had clear markings identifying it uh, to any experienced skydiver as non-functional. Uh, 
Um, the FAI stressed the inclusion of the dummy reserve parachute, one of the four obtained in haste from a Seattle skydiving school, was accidental. Yeah, okay. They weren't just trying to fuck them <laughs> up. Uh, in November 2011, uh, people basically analyzed his tie and found that it had uh, titanium, which was only really found in like metal fabrication and production facilities, as well as uh, some rare earth minerals such as cerium and strontium sulfide um that would only come from places such as boeing's supersonic transport development project so cooper might have been a boeing employee he's at least he he is known to he's probably a factory worker or of some Mm -hmm. kind or a manager um in terms of profiling he was possibly canadian because of his lack of accent use of the term negotiable american currency because people don't say that from America. <laughs> um, and his false name might be a reference to a Belgian comic about a paratrooper that was not released in the U.S., but was released in Canada. Mm. Evidence suggests that Cooper was knowledgeable about flying technique aircraft in the train. He knew about the 747, could be jumped out of, and on what specific pitch and flap angles. He also knew that the plane could fly with a stare down, uh, which was not common knowledge. Although it was unconsciously perilous by the high safety training equipment standards of skydivers whether cooper's junk was virtually suicidal is a matter of dispute the author uh of an overview in comparison of world war ii aircraft bailouts with cooper drop asserts a probability of his survival because what uh i don't think i've said in this is that it was fucking raining and foggy as shit the night that he went Mm, and it was at night so he jumps out of a plane into the the rain and stuff with wearing a suit and like just suit stuff and glasses like right the bureau was more skeptical uh concluding that cooper lacks crucial skydiving skills and experience quote we originally thought cooper was an experienced jumper perhaps even a paratrooper said special agent larry carr leading of the investigative leader of the investigative team sorry from 2006 until its dissolution in 2016 we concluded after a few years that this was simply not true a Boeing 727 at flaps 15 degrees and lightweight probably flies at 150 knots or 172 miles per hour. No experienced parachutist would have jumped in the pitch black night in the rain yeah. with a 172 mile per hour wind in his face wearing loafers and a trench coat. Yeah. It was simply too risky. <laughs> he also missed that his reserve parachute was only for training and was sewn shut, something a skilled skydiver would have checked. He also failed to bring or request a helmet. <laughs> Chose to jump with an older and technically inferior of the two primary parachutes supplied to him and jumped at a probable uh, 15 degrees Fahrenheit uh, wind at 10,000 feet in November Jesus. over Washington State without pr- proper protection against the extreme wind chill into a forest, presumably. Right. The well, he could, have spec- gone, he could have jumped anywhere between Seattle and Reno, right? So he yeah, could have jumped the, that, much farther south. That's the whole thing. Um, right. The, the FBI speculated from the beginning that Cooper did not survive his jump. Di- quote, diving into the wilderness without a plan, without the right equipment in such terrible conditions, he probably never even got his chute open, said Carr. Even if he did land safely, agents contend that survival in the mountainous terrain on the onset of winter would have been impossible without an accomplice at a predetermined landing point. This would have re- required a pricely, precisely timed jump, necessitating, mm-hmm. in turn, cooperation from the flight crew. There is no evidence that Cooper requested or received any help from the crew, nor that there is any he had any clear idea where he was going to jump into the stormy overcast darkness. Uh, 
there is no statue of limitations on his case because air piracy ends after like 10 years or something like that. Um, mm. But they found him in violation of something called the Hobbs Act, uh, which means it's indefinite. Hmm. Uh, after 45 years, the FBI has shelved the case, but is willing to look at new information. The, the Wikipedia article goes on to list a bunch of like suspects, but we just don't have time for that. Wow. Um, so given that, given a man gets a bunch of money, claims he has a bomb, jumps out of the plane uh, with fault, one of his parachutes being faulty into the pitched black night wearing only loafers and a trench coat and a suit do you what do you think happened to him because it's this weird is because given, given the given the uh interactions that he had with the flight crew he didn't seem like a stupid person and he seemed to know the topography at least at least a, he was at least a little familiar with it um yeah. And he he really could have jumped out much farther south. Like, yeah, if he j- jumped out in Washington, then sure, maybe he died because it was so cold. But if he jumped out somewhere closer to, like, closer to Nevada, then it would be a lot warmer, right? So, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, they they don't have a clear point of where he landed. Exactly. They don't have a clear point of where he jumped out. They, they also haven't... They haven't found a body, too. Which is also like right. a point of contention with this case. I'm, I'm thinking that maybe it's a good possibility in my mind that he survived and just got away with this. Yeah, there. One of the suspects uh, did do like a similar hijacking and then died in like I think a gun battle with police later. Like he okay. went to prison and then he died. So it's like okay, it might have been him. There's also just like so many suspects because if you look at the pictures of the people, you're like, yeah, fix like it, each one. The evidence they provide in the Wikipedia article, which if on Wikipedia historians sometimes will go like we aren't actually using Wikipedia because the yeah, Wikipedia right, yeah. article, this one is like fucking dense. Like it's the <laughs> densest one. So go and read it if you have any interest and look at some of the suspects because each one I looked at and I was just like, yeah, makes sense. It could be them. Yeah, it makes sense. It could be them. Makes sense. Like, it could be them. Yeah. That's why it's an unsolved mystery is because there's so many. There's also a bunch of like people who deathbed confess to being D.B. Cooper, mm, which is interesting to me. Right. Um, like. Or like people who had like nightmares of like leaving fingerprints on plane and their wife was like, hey, what's up with that? Um, Just weird stuff about that. Um, This is not like even this is a tip of the iceberg for D.B. Cooper. This is just explaining what happened and stuff. But um, I I love this mystery. I think it's fun fun because it's um, I like there are certain mysteries that I like because I'm really big into unsolved kind of cases. Um, And this one is everybody loves it. Um, and it has that fun, like, did he survive? Did he die? Did he get, you can be yeah, as, right. ma- you can be as macabre as you want with it. Cause there, like, there are right. some people who are like, he fucking got impaled you on got, a, yeah, right. a pine tree. Yep. And there's a skeleton somewhere with some fucking killer <laughs> sunglasses on it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, but I, I, I personally think that he got away with it. I yeah. don't know what he did. He didn't do use any, any of the money though. Like that's I mean, a, another weird part. That's yeah, a case I mean, for him dying. It's a he weird one. Like, I mean, it's so interesting. It's fun because it there's certain unsolved mysteries where you're like, okay, well, this person probably did it. Like, there's one like person, like the Black Dahlia murders. There's like one guy that everyone's like, I'm pretty sure is this dude. Mm-hmm. He like fucking said on a tape, like I could get away with killing the Black Dahlia. So I think <laughs> it was him. Um, Whereas this one, you're like, there are so many suspects, and each one has like their own thing that gives them an edge that you're like, ooh, ooh, it could be them. Um, 
and it has that angle of like did he did he die though like ooh so it has like enough mystery but also is confined enough because there's also mysteries where you're like what you're literally just like it could be anyone it's like, okay fuck <laughs> it like the right like that that's kind of the west there, there's some questions about like some specific people that they think did the west memphis three killings mm-hmm. but it's like they can't tell now like they got rid of all that evidence like it's yeah it's gone too far gone so i'm very big into true crime for people who don't know and i'm also big into ending this podcast thank you everybody he's big (laughs) into ending the podcast i gotta get i gotta get more drugs dude well back on that back on that horse huh you can only kick it for one hour while we record if you wanna if you wanna tell me to get off the drugs, send us a email at segmentcitypodcast at gmail.com. Please send that. Up, it's the only Twitter. thing between him and and the and the drugs. Yeah. Hit up Twitter at Segment City or YouTube Segment City. Give us a review if you like this. We're not gonna be doing true crime stuff all the time. Theo did some others. I mean the Drake Bell stuff was probably <laughs> a, a form of true crime. <laughs> it's true and it's probably it's criminal be crime, yeah. <laughs> but leave us a review if you like uh this we love hearing reviews and star ratings we we'd love to give a five-star review to our good friend rachel robinson she does our intro music she's amazing she has her own music somewhere we should get we should figure out where she posts her own music and and pump, pimp that here you know that would mm-hmm. be a good thing to do next time i'll have that information for you lovely listeners until then Go Google her name and figure out where to find her, but I'll have more details later. Anyways, thank okay. you, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have more details later. And, and you're going to forget by next podcast. Oh, 100%. There was, a, there was a bit we did a while back about you had to remember that I haven't drank warm milk. Yeah, no, I totally forgot until you just said it. Yep, you got, yeah, you got me there. But you didn't remember, so no, it's, I didn't. It's a moot point now. <laughs> I told, I told you, you, I wasn't going to. I don't know why anybody. Yeah, and you surprised. didn't. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yay! Well, that's the end of the podcast. Bye. <laughs> you don't get to win when I told you you were going to win. I've got. I already ended the podcast. It's <laughs> over. <laughs>